Hello, everyone, and welcome to Paranormal Roundtable. That's PRT. My name is Josh Turner. My friends call me Wolf, uh, and I'm with my co-host, Tony, and he is called... Mushu. And what I'm known as on these streets. Wow. Okay. And uh, so we have a show tonight, but first we're going to get to the PRTpodcast.com, PRTpodcast.com. That's where you can find our website. At our website, you can find artwork. You can find uh, all of our our uh, old shows, ep- episodes, and you can look at the in the archives and go back and watch all the great or listen to all the great episodes. Right now, though, we we wanted to tell you that we are we have we're changing the email. You can still use the old email, but it's Josh Turner at prtpodcast.com. Josh Turner at prtpodcast.com. That's going to be the email address. That's going to be the one that we're going to be using. Uh, but I will still uh, be having things forwarded from the old email address, which was doswolfman88 at gmail.com. You can still use that to get in touch with me. Um, I'll still be checking that too. But the, uh, the, the we're moving it over to the Josh Turner at prtpodcast.com. Much easier to remember. It's got my name in there. And uh, the other thing I was going to talk to you guys about is joining our groups, uh, Paranormal Roundtable group on on Facebook. Paranormal Encounters, which is Tony's, yep. which has been growing, and Paranormal Lounge, which is Nelly's, which has also been growing. I think you guys, are, y'all are almost dead even right now. So, anyways, uh, that being said, join those groups. Um, we also do Lori Sh- uh, Shivers, uh, Cryptids, and Paranormal Reality. Um, so get get on there and get in those groups and uh, and conversate with us, and you know y- you'll have some fun hopefully in the groups. If not, well, you're probably a boring person and we don't need you anyway. But uh, yeah, so that being said, we're going to talk today uh, about some interesting stuff. We're we're going to the land of the rising sun. Ah, China. (laughs) Japan. Oh, okay. Well, technically, at one point, they were the same, right? Didn't they occupy China? Actually, yeah. Well, no, actually, that yes and no. China, that actually was, it was Chinese, from the mainland of China that actually settled in Japan years and years and years ago. Like, you know, and surprising that you were Asian and you did not know that Japan was the land of the rising sun. I know you've studied it. Too. Oh, obviously, I'm joking. I mean, I, I know a lot about Japan. Yeah, I, I know you do. That's why I was kind of like, oh, I just, uh, your humor was so dry that it was like eating a very, very dry cracker with no water. So I was just like, wow, you did a very good job on that one because I was like, what? Like, you didn't know. I thought you would have, because uh, you knew we were doing Japan. Yeah, so I just should have just let it slide by there, didn't it? Really? But <laughs> it. Really calling back to it. I didn't want the the, the 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 people at home to think I had an ignorant co-host that didn't they know. They already know that. <laughs> okay. <laughs> they want you to think, man, this guy is dumb. He's dumb, man. No, I'm folks. an expert in everything in my own sense. Yeah, exactly. So let me be ignorant in what I want to be ignorant on. Okay. I guess the, the people at home will have to let you do that. Yeah. Yeah. So, and and believe it or not, folks, Mushu has fans. It's hard to it's hard to wrap my mind around, but yeah, some things happen. Unfortunate things happen. All of as you well. out there, I appreciate it. I don't really understand it either, but uh, yeah, thanks. Oh, yeah. anyway, as we were saying, we're going to Japan to discuss some yokai. Yokai. Yep. Yeah, some uh, Japanese demons, some mm-hmm. different types. Well, and and you and you at home can make up your minds whether they're demons or. 
Oh, I mean, yokai actually means like it's a couple different things, but I think the kanji comes together to form like bewitching or mysterious or so it's either, you know, it could be something that just, you know, a creature that tricks you or something like that. But either way, it's just a supernatural entity that has, you know, that is just based around Japan and they have a lot of stories about them. So. And the origin of that word is actually Chinese. Really? Yeah. It came up from mainland China. Yeah, and I believe that that some of the first inhabitants um, when that, that were that were in Japan, there was an indigenous people who were actually Caucasoid, like Cajun, Caucasian, and they lived in the north, and they were white, and the the Japanese original Japanese inhabitants were from mainland China, and of course they interbred with the those Caucasian looking, and some, and there's still a group, of, there's still a people. I forgot what they're called. They're a minority now, but they're like white with red hair. It's very weird. And they live in the north. And you didn't know Koji, but you knew Tak, right? Mm. So Ko- Ko- and Koji is very light-skinned, and he has reddish brown hair, which is weird. It's like if you – but anyway, that's a friend of mine, folks, and, and we're going to refer back to him because he gave me some of these stories. And then he hooked me up with uh, another friend of his who told me some stories, and I re- recently got in touch with him. And I put it on a, on a group – and asked if I, anybody had any stories, and I got one really cool one that came out of there. So I've been putting together this show about the Japanese uh, ghosts, demons, whatever you want to call them, and the supernatural. And there's some pretty cool stuff. Japan has its own uh, myths and legends. I also got one from a Japanese uh, masseuse. She told me a story that was pretty uh, – had me – it was it was pretty pretty crazy. So, and okay, but she, more importantly, how was the massage? She's very good. Okay, she does like this stabbing motion, boom, 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 and it it uh, gets the knots out. Now, if you want somebody really deep tissue, there's a guy I use that goes really deep on your back or whatever. And when she first started doing that, I was like, this woman is just poking me. Mm-hmm. Okay, she's literally just taking two fingers to poke on my back, and I thought, oh, okay. And then she would kind of rub it in one spot and hold it down, and then and then the next and then I was like okay, so then the next day I, I my yeah, wife no, was like it was good. She yeah. was like, "How's your back?" I said, "It's great," but she did like the what she did was just stab the pressure points. You know, she was mm-hmm. doing some kind of whatever, you know, the Japanese mysticism, yeah. and then and, and whatever kind of magic she did, and then then the spiritual attacks that we use. Yeah, of course, of course, the spiritual <laughs> attacks. So a few day a few uh, uh, days later, I said, "My back's still stiff though in certain spots, but the those main points, you know, were done." So I went to the other guy. And he Wait, got, when you got in guy, there. Which guy? Because, you know, we we both know you have a guy that works on horses that also works on you. So. You're talking about my chiropractor. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So is that deep, deep tissue? No, no th- th- this guy is very strong. He's very strong. In fact, I think Anthony's used him before, too. And he, he gets in there and he gets after it. So uh, they've kind of become a one-two punch for me. Like I, her, she'll do the, the, the hit the points, and then he'll do the overall, like, deep tissue of the muscle. It's pretty cool. So I finally found, I got a guy that cuts my hair. I got a guy that works in my car. I got a guy that'll, you know, a, you know, you got to have those things in life. You got to have a good massa- massage and you got to be able to get, and got to have a chiropractor. In but, a doomsday uh, scenario, those are the people you want to bring in with. Sure. Yeah. Have could, them in there. You could definitely use that. You'd probably want a bronze uh, 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 age type, uh, you want somebody like a blacksmith. Hmm. You'd have to have that if the world went to crap. You'd I have think to you'd have, have to that. be before pre-blacksmith. A, saddle, a saddlery because you need horses. Hmm. 
You know? Anyway, let's continue. Anyway, <laughs> anyway. So, anyways, I got some stories here, and the uh, yeah, you're talking the, the yokai is kind of a term that's kind of a catch-all, you know, for for demons, Japanese demons. There's also the obake and the bakemono. Okay. Now you're gonna remember those because those are shape shifting demons, all right. And then there's a bakaniko, which is a cat shape shifting demon. Now in Japanese tradition, when someone dies, their their soul or the rikan, the, the reikan, be, can, can become a yurai. And a yurai is or or yurei, however you want to pronounce it, they are a type of of ghost. It's like almost like a catch all for ghosts, but they're they're a little more. Uh, they, they have a certain time that they go out and they haunt and they do what they do. Now, each of these stories you're going to get is going to be, it could be a variant of one of these types of, of, of things, you know, I'll start with one. This was a pretty crazy story. Well, real quick, way before we even start, I just want to mention real quick that we're obviously not Japanese, even though I am Asian. So if we do mispronounce some of the words, please don't be too harsh on us. I mean, we don't, we don't. We're not fluent in Japanese, so we did look it up, and we're trying our best to pronounce it as best as we can. But yeah, because you know, the stories, us. yeah, except except for a couple of the stories, the 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 demons and the names of them, you know, I had to read them, and a couple of the stories I got were only were only written, you know, and I had to look up what the names and terms meant yeah. because they were not spoken to me now. The kitsune, I can tell you what that is. I mean, like that that was pronounced to me by, you know, somebody. So, you know, and then of course, you know, there's there's the different like the yokai and all that. So those I was spoken were spoken about by these people. Now I'll give you some backstory of my friend Koji. And he is okay with that. I've talked to him, he's okay with it. He's no problem with it. Uh he was a gangster. Like a real gangster. And that's how I met him back in the day. He used to come downtown. He's friends with, I'm pretty sure, your stepdad, uh, Tony, uh, D, um, knows him, Scorpion, Squid. We all know the guy, um, my dis- my deceased friend, Willie. We were all buddies. We were all friends back in the day. And Koji was, uh, he liked to be involved in gambling and some other things. And he was covered completely in tattoos. And he worked for a, uh, a, a, a group of guys <laughs> from the Pacific Rim that were part of a organized group of people. They were fighting dinosaurs? Yes, exactly. Yeah. And so I don't want to get too far. Koji's not his real name. That's what they call him. That's not his real name. So I'll just be honest with you. He was basically an Akuza. So if anybody knows what that is. So we got together one night, me, and then there was another guy that was a friend of ours with him. And he had a nickname, and I can't remember what it was. We called him Ronan. But, uh, and this is, there, we know two different guys named Ronan, which is funny. Ronan means like a masterless samurai, if anybody knows. So this guy, Ronan, was actually Japanese, and he hung out with uh, a friend of mine from Korea who was really good friends with my brother, and that's how I met these guys. And back in the day, we had similar interests, so I'm not going to get into what those were. But uh, we worked with the guys a little bit, having fun, hanging out, whatever, and they, they hung out at the club, and, and sometimes they would, you know, help us throw people out, whatever. And, you know, when you hang out with people, you get to know them. And uh, I got to know one of their cousins who made swords, or traditional swords or whatever, and he gave me a crazy story. And I actually don't remember his name, but 
we will we will talk about these stories. And I almost had Scorp and D or one of the uh, one of them come on the show so they could talk about some of these stories too because they had a couple they were going to tell me that that I, I might have forgotten about. But anyways, it is what it is. Uh, one of the stories that I was given to them was given by them. Uh, these two guys was of when when Koji was a kid. When he was a child, he lived in Kyoto, and he told me a crazy story. He said that he lived in a house that was haunted. It was a very old house, and the guy that that lived in the house before him was known as a miserly, uh, angry, cantankerous guy, you know. And um, he lived alone for years. His wife had died when he was in his like you know early forties or, or, or something like that, and then he lived to be like seventy or something. So. You know, the guy lived for 30 years by himself. And as far as anybody knew, he only had, like, cats as as his companions or whatever. But uh, Koji told me a story. He said that when he was about seven, eight years old, he was, like, brushing his teeth, you know, whatever, looking in the mirror. And he sees this man uh, just walk behind him, you know, in the mirror, like in the hallway, you know, just like, you know, in the horror movies, they just walk right behind you. And he was like, he just walked right behind me. And I turned around and I was like, what is that? So he lived alone with his mom. Uh, Koji's father had died when he was young. And so he did not really have a dad. So he was like, what was that? You know? So he goes and looks down the hallway both ways, doesn't see anything. And so he just kind of like plays it off, you know, like, okay, I'm just going to pretend like I didn't see it. Well, this was the first week they had moved in. And it was like a, a small, wasn't a real big place. And so one day he was sitting there and he was playing video games, Nintendo, because it's big over there at that time when he was a kid. And he's about my age. So he was playing Nintendo and he was, he was and then he said that the, the, the game started moving on its own. The game started like doing whatever it was doing, like on its own, like he could not uh, control it. And it was just like, like somebody was playing it. But it was like it wasn't him. So he just put the controller down and watched as this uh, whatever was controlling it. And he it did all the levels perfectly and exactly the way they were supposed to be done. And I don't remember what game he said it was. It was a Japanese game that I had never heard of over here. And he pronounced it, you know. And it was like a platformer game, if anybody knows what that is, where you just scroll along and you, you jump up and down and all that. And it completed all the levels and it just kept going. It kept going to the point where he was like – you know, because he was he was having a hard time. He couldn't beat the game or whatever. He couldn't advance. So he was sitting there watching it going like, this thing is just like playing. So he just was like kind of scared, but then he was also curious. So he thought maybe this must be a glitch, you know, with the game. His first thought wasn't like, oh, no, you know. Oh, demons. Yeah, it's a Uri here to, to kill me. It's, a, you know, ghost or whatever. No, he just thought there's something wrong with it. It's glitching, you know. And he said that it started going through all the levels and he was fascinated. So he sat there and he watched it happen until the very end. And then he read the credits and all that and was like, wow, this is crazy. Well, after that happened, um, he turned around and he saw, once again, he saw this man walking down the hallway and had like uh, long hair, but it was kind of put up in a ponytail, but it was like, like gray hair, you know? And he said he knew it was a man. It wasn't a woman. He didn't see the front of this person yet, but he could tell it was a man. And but he had a man with longer hair. He he recognized that, and he said it, it looked like an old man with like you know you're balding at the top, but you know you're you got hair in the back or whatever. And his hair was long, and uh, he said that he saw it, <clears throat> you know, just like walking away. And he thought, whoa, you know, there's that weird man again. 
So he jumped up and he, he, when he went to try to say something, it was gone. Like the image of the man was gone. And then finally one night he was asleep in his bed and they had this sliding closet door and the sliding closet door slowly opened. Like he was sitting there just looking at the closet door and it had like a mirror on it, you know? And he said that it just slowly started opening and he could see fingers, you know, like, and he said they were like gray looking. Whenever he would see this man, it was like his skin was gray. And he said that, that, that it started to slowly open the closet door and he sees the hand there and sees the fingers and he's like, what is that? Like, you know, and so he, as the door got about halfway open, he knew that it, that's what it was. It had to be that same old man or whatever. And he said that he, he peeked his head out from the uh, the closet and it was, he saw his face full on at that time. And he was like, he had an, an angry look on his face. But for whatever reason, he said it really didn't scare him. He was like, I wasn't terrified. Like, I didn't look at him and go, oh, my gosh, I'm going to pee-pee the bed. You know, those are his exact words. And he said, I just looked at it and thought, oh, no, why is this man in my closet? You know? And then he said, but what 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 scared him was when it was stepped out, like, he couldn't see the legs. Like, there was no legs. It was just the upper body. And then he thought, this is not a man. This is a ghost, you know? And he said that the guy looked old and feeble, so he was like, what's he going to do? I mean, he's like, he's an old man, you know? But then when he saw that it was a Uri, you know, it scared him. So he, like, threw the sheets up and rolled, you know, on the other side of the bed. And he said when he looked up, it was right there. And he said you could kind of see the the upper legs, but then there was no lower legs. And he said he was just screaming, you know, bloody murder. So then his mom comes in the room and is like, what's wrong with you? So then his mom, you know, the thing disappears. He tries to tell his mom about it. And she's like, okay, bull crap, whatever the Japanese word is for that. And she, she told him to go back to bed and no more video games because obviously playing video games is what's doing this. This is why your mind is all messed up, you know. And so he she took away his game or whatever. And so he comes home from school. He couldn't, he went and he looked for it. The next day he couldn't find his video game system. He looked everywhere, couldn't find any of the games. His mom was very good at hiding things. And he thought, oh, maybe she, she gave it to my aunt. And it's, you know, so that's, that's what she would do. She would hide stuff and he never could find it. So he figured she was leaving it somewhere. So he goes to the restroom and he hears like this movement in the, in the, in the living room. He comes out of the bathroom and there's his game system set up and the TV's already on. And he was like, oh, my gosh. So he was tentative at first. So he sat down to start playing it, and it did that thing again where it started going through all the levels and basically playing, and he just watched it happen. So th at that point, he, it was starting to really mess with his mind. So he told his mom, I think there's something wrong here. So his mom finally started seeing stuff. You know, uh, ab about two weeks after he'd already been experiencing it, she started seeing stuff too, and they talked about it at the dinner table. And uh, he basically was like, I, I don't want to live here, and I, I'd rather go, you know, run away than live here. And the mom said, No, we're not gonna, we're not gonna deal with that. We're going to move. So they did, and that was the end of that. He had no more uh, ghost stories or anything like that. So that was interesting. That story he told me, and and that was actually, I believe, at an after party, <laughs> like I said, years ago, when we were, I think, it, I think it was at your your uh, stepdad's house, Tony. And we were all hanging out. And so what ended up happening, um, I got to know him a little better and we hung out some and, and I asked him, you know, a couple times, different, different stories or whatever. And he said he didn't really have any, like for him personally, but he introduced me to his buddy 
who had a, had a good story. And uh, then, then from him, I talked to this uh, a female that was related to them that gave me another story. And so it just kind of went from there. And so I, I wrote these down years ago. And uh, so the story that his buddy told me, and this is a good one. This is a pretty good story. And now when he was a kid, he lived in a haunted house too. Like not to the extent of what happened with, with Koji, but he had an, an, a, an encounter or whatever with something. And the, the house that he lived in belonged to a notorious gangster, you know, an Akuza, basically is what he had said. And that this guy, when he died in that house, that he was murdered. And they didn't know that when they moved in. And uh, this was in Tokyo. And he moved in when he was a kid. And he said that the only thing that ever really happened to him, like he would, he would hear noises, like somebody was whispering in his ear and he would wake up and sometimes he would look and he would see this dude with his, with his slick back looking hair. And he said he had really bad breath and the guy was like breathing on him and he would look and the guy would be gone. And he said that happened a couple of times. And then his little brother got shaken out of bed one time. And then he, and then he said that, you know, there would be weird stuff. Like th they would go to bed, the video game would be turned off. And then in the middle of the night, Nintendo would be turned back on, stuff like that. And the next day, they're in trouble, and they're like, "Which one of you did this?" Blah blah blah. Um, but he said it was like small stuff like that, you know. And then he was like, "There were other things I don't even really remember. It was so small, like stuff would be moved around, you know." But he said that the the one terrifying, scary thing that happened to him, him and his little sister were in the backyard, uh, and they had a very small backyard. It wasn't very big, but he said that there was this like little Buddha statue in in the back corner, like a shrine, you know. It was there when they moved in and it was like a fountain, but it didn't run or whatever. And he said that the water was coming out of it. And he said that, uh, they walked over to it and they heard like a hissing noise and they turned around and they see this big black fluffy cat. And he said it was a humongous cat. He's like, it's like the size of a dog, like a mid-sized dog. He's like, you're not going to see a cat that size, whatever. And they're standing there looking at it and his sister like tried to go toward it. And then he was like, no, get back. There's something weird about it. And the eyes were kind of yellowish glowing, you know? And so they ran inside the house because something was, he felt something was wrong with the cat. Like there was something evil about the cat. And so then he went to sleep that night and he had a, when he started dreaming, he had like a nightmare. And he said that in the nightmare, there was this man hanging off the roof and was like put, trying to stick his arm through the window of, of his bedroom. And he was actually staying in his little brother's room that day. Um, because his little brother was having night terrors and was, so he slept in his brother's room. And when, when this thing was trying to reach into the glass or whatever, he said that they, that he looked up and he saw it like, like there, like, like, you know, it was a dream, of course. And he said that it looked like this man that was always like whispering in his ear at night, you know? And he said that the man's mouth opened real wide, like his head elongated and his arms stretched out real long. And he thought, oh, you know, and then, and then he said at that point, he kind of became cognizant that it was a dream. He said, he goes, at that point, I knew I was dreaming. You know, this was a dream, you know, not real. And he said, so I, I woke up and he goes, and when I woke up, I looked and I saw like this vapor looking stuff hanging outside of my brother's window. And he said that, that he, and he, and he sat there and he watched in amazement as in my words, but like he, that it became kind of like a ball, like a cloud that concentrated into a ball and then fell to the ground. And when he walked up to the window to look out of the window, there was that cat that they had seen earlier, the cat that was in the yard. And uh, he said that was absolutely hands down the most creepy thing that ever happened to him in that house. 
And he said that uh, he ran to his mom and dad's room and, you know, freaking freaked him out, woke him, you know, and he got a, he got his butt whooped. <laughs> he said it was not good because his dad was a business guy working all the time. He was a workaholic. And he was like, you woke me up to tell me some fairy tale nonsense, you know? And so he got, <laughs> got in big trouble. So anyways, that was his story. Yeah. And, and so that was the guy that used to hang out with Koji. He told me that story and, and that was a crazy one. Cause when Koji was like, I got a story, but I mean, I can, you know, my friends got one that's a lot more, you know, it's a lot, you know, unique. Worse. It's yeah. unique, yeah. And so, anyways, so Ronan, that was Ronan's story that he told us. And uh, to, to to distinguish him from the other Ronan, I started calling him Oni because he had a crazy Oni tattoo, like right there on his neck and his chest. If anybody knows what an Oni is, do you know what an Oni is? Tell yeah, me. Yeah, it's like the closest thing you could say to like a demon, I think. Or in what I've seen pictures of them. And, you know, then usually you have horns and, um, or, you know, different color skins, very mm -hmm. big. Colorful. Colorful. Yeah. Uh, they're like ogres. Yeah. Ogre pretty much demons, ogres. Yeah. And, 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 and in the Japanese folklore, the oni is actually considered a foreigner. It, it, it didn't originate from that. And a lot of the Japanese uh, mythology says that they came, the oni came with the Mongolians when they invaded. So that may be just to demonize them, you know, mm -hmm. but there is a, there are forests in Japan where it is said that the Oni inhabit these, these areas. And that's where we're going next. This is more along the lines of a cryptid. Okay. The Oni do look like ogres. Now they can be green, they can be gray, and they can even be black. They do tend to, to show up in like, you know, Japanese art and they have a lot of like uh, pictures of them. Uh, you know, back in the feudal Japan, they they used them the the face masks. I would think we talked about that the other day. What are they called? The uh, uh, um, I don't remember. Starts with the K. Kaba, uh, not a kabuki. That's the makeup. It's yeah. called a anyway. Anyway, insane nose. Either way, but anyway, uh, yeah, we were just talking well, about. Yeah, it. But, but yeah, we we're talking about how like that face mask is basically. I think it's like based off of. It's meant to like scare. And it's a noni. Yeah, yeah. 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 Sometimes the samurai would wear the face mask that was shaped to like battle because they mm -hmm. would want to, the fearsome yeah. look. Yeah. With yeah. with the fangs, and, and whatever. So uh, th this guy was hiking with his dad when he was a little kid, and they were going on a trail. And this was a story that I got from a listener, um, from a listener's friend, I guess. So uh, th they were hiking on a trail, and then this was was outside of the city of Osaka, I believe. And he said there was like a little trail or something out there and they went on and it wasn't like uh like it was just heavily wooded like like you know it was it was just so many you know like like there was desolate isolated or anything. He said there were people around. But he said that you know they they got up to this uh T in the road or whatever and they went to the right and they started like staring into the woods because they saw something crouching down and he said they walked up onto another uh father with uh, with a child who he remembered being a little girl and they were pointing and looking and they're like what is that and now this is what he told me now you know and and this sounds crazy but he said that, that it looked just like a traditional japanese oni and he said it looked like a real flesh and blood creature and that it was squatted down behind a stump and he said that it literally looked like it was defecating like he said, and he goes, it didn't even appear to be uh, concerned with us at all. He goes, there were like us uh, two, me and my dad, and then this other guy with his daughter, and we're all staring at this thing, whatever it was. He said it was a grayish 
uh, green color. And he said that, that it was like grimacing, like his face. And he said that it was squatted down, but he doesn't know exactly what it was doing. He said he saw like a cloth like over its, you know, private, whatever. But it, and it was like, it was naked other than that. But that it looked like a uh, ogre, like a demonic looking ogre guy or something. He said the eyes, you know, it wasn't that far away. You know, he said maybe 30, 40 yards, you know, he could see it behind like, 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 like half of it behind a tree and in between that and a stump. And uh, he said that it just did not even look like it was concerned with them at all. And it was just squatted down. And he said that he didn't know what it was doing, but that it had the bottom fangs kind of came up over the lips of the top of, of the, like there was an underbite. He remembers that. And he said that the the eyes looked like they were completely black. And then that there were these like weird circles around the eyes. And he remembers that like wrinkles, like weird circles. And, uh, I was like, you know, what, what, what could that be? You know? And I mean, that is like a traditional Oni. He said that it had on the growing off the sides of its head that what looked like little horns, like little, uh, and, and he kind of described it. Like I asked him point blank. I was like, what, what do you think? Like, cause you know how Bowser looks on the, on the video games. And of course, Japanese people are very familiar with Nintendo. And I told him, I said, you know, like, like Bowser almost like, he says, yeah, kind of like it had hair. You know, he said, but it had like these like little horns, you know, because the way he described it. And I said, that kind of sounds like Bowser, you know, but uh, Bowser would be more like a Kappa would be like. A, and that's another, yeah, I that's think that's I don't even think it's like I think, I think they're based off Kappas. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why they call him Koopa, you yeah. know, Koopa Trooper, whatever the, the Kappas. Uh, and do you want to tell the audience what a Kappa is? Uh, yeah, it's basically like a man turtle. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, like it's a, demo- a demonic man like, turtle. Visually, yeah. to describe it is basically just like a demonic man turtle. Um, they live in water. They're you know pretty. I don't think they're all bad, but I think they're pretty mischievous, and they will try to drown you. Yes, I think that's their thing. They do, and that's a story that I got, and we've talked about that. The the, the thing with the cat, I wanted to go back to that real quick with Ronan's encounter, and 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 I know what that was, it, it, what it's called is is a back it's called a bacanico, a bacanico, and that is a cat shapeshifter. That is the the kind of shapeshifter that turns into a cat. Now, the thing that that, that I wondered about was that this was a uri, and now uh, what like when you die in, in Japanese culture, you you're a rikon or a raiken which is your soul, and then it can go into a purgatory-type state, awaiting judgment, whatever. And then it can it can return, though, if it's got some sort of sorrow or if it's got some sort of revenge or if there's some unfinished business, and it can become a Uri. Now, there's a type of Uri who, which actually is becomes more like a demonic uh, entity, like a Bacchanico, and it has to be like an evil, like it's like an evil person. And they can they can assume their spirit the the spirit their spirit can literally possess animals and they choose to possess like cats or they can shape shift into cats. Now here's the funny thing: when he fell down from the roof, uh, Ronan didn't see him fall in. Like there might have been a cat down there that he had was using to possess the body of, and maybe that when he when his, when, the, when the ball cloud soul whatever fell it fell into that cat's body or it could have manifested as the cat because he saw it fall then he walked up and saw the cat so he didn't see him become the cat does that make sense mm-hmm. so that that's that's interesting there's a, a detail there that I just thought I'd throw out you know 
Now, as far as this Oni looking creature in the, uh, in the woods, I, I would say, you know, that this, that, that if, if you looked at this creature or whatever on that little hike and bike trail or whatever it was, uh, I would say it was an Oni, like an ogre Oni. He said it, it had, uh, another, another feature too. It had hair, like, like very hairy on its chest and its stomach, but, but not, but more like a man's, not like a Bigfoot. Cause I asked that question. Uh, I was like, no, we're not talking like something that could have been like a Sasquatch. He's like, absolutely not. It didn't look anything like a Sasquatch or what you would think a Sasquatch would be. Uh, did not appear ape-like at all. It was like a, an ogre. That's just the way he kept describing it. like like an oni, like a traditional oni. And uh, it could have been an oni manifesting itself, you know, at the, in that moment. Maybe it was not even aware that they could see it. I don't know. Or maybe he was, you know, it's just a creature that lives out there like a cryptid, you know, and he had to poop. I don't know what was going on with that. Do you think like maybe he was in between worlds and he was like, oh, man, I just got to go real quick. So he just <laughs> took a quick pit stop. <laughs> maybe him walking through the portal and then he gets to this side and he's like, oh, yeah, I got to actually do physical things now. I I, I don't know. <laughs> he's like, oh, oh, no, those two people I ate earlier uh, really getting to me. Yeah. And so... There, there are some pretty colorful stories uh, out of Japan. Like, there's a lot of cool mythology. I encourage anyone to go and wants to learn about these things and read about it. And, uh, and oh yeah, and, it's it's its own little world. I mean, I think my one of my favorites is like a snow fox, which is you know some that if you get lost in the wintry just blizzard, you might find a, just a beautiful lady just standing there. Who <clears throat> you? I think I think there's a couple different ones. I think there's one that's like evil. And there's one that what it does is like she'll lead you away and she looks so pretty that you'll just follow her and she'll just lead you into your death into the blizzard. I think there's other ones where like she'll just let you see her and you'll keep chasing after her, but you'll never find her again. And I think uh, there's other ones where they'll lead you to their home. They actually eat you. Oh, so like there's like different kind of ones, you know, <clears throat> but I really like those because I, I think the ones where, you know, I think it's a really funny idea to just be lost in a blizzard and you see someone that's just so beautiful that you just have to chase after them that you lose your reason and i'm like uh, I, I just i find it, uh if hilarious i think yeah and then well i mean i think it's just if you're um, lost in a blizzard though and you see anybody you might just go from the hopes of just trying to live yeah but I th what what really struck me or which really what i really uh, stuck by was that it's not even just like oh i hope they can help me live it's more like that they're so beautiful i just have to follow them so that you know just like being able to just override all of that is so it scares me being able to override your very instinct to survive, to survive. yeah in su it's such a dangerous situation that the only thing you can think of is this this creature in front of you and then follow it into your own death well what happens if it's a beautiful woman and it, it, it only appears to to horny guys, or what? How does how does that yeah, work? I, I so. mean, I mean, yeah, I think fox spirits are mostly females. I don't, I don't really know. I mean, there might be, but I mean, I, I I've the stories I've read, they seem to be beautiful females that lead, you know, they, uh, men kind of like sirens mm -hmm. or or uh, mermaids or any creature that uses its beauty to hypnotize people. Yeah, that makes sense. Well, I know that uh, there is a story um, that I I just I glanced over it one day, and when I was doing research, and it, I think it was a story. It was called 
Akirio or something like that. And it's about, it's called Genji's Tale or something. And Akirio was, uh, she was like so in love with this guy that she became enraged and she possessed his wife or something and then caused the wife to, to die and the wife was pregnant. And so then she became so stricken with grief that she turned herself into a, a nun, a Buddhist nun or whatever, how they, whatever they do, the female version of, of monk or whatever. And they, then after she died, then she began to haunt Genji again until, and the story is that the daughter, her daughter had to do the funeral rites because the Japanese believe that if you don't do the funeral rites correctly, and if anything happens at all, that spirit will be returned. It will be bound. They're very, uh, they, they're very spiritually in, in tune with that, you know? So it's like you, yeah, they you take that very seriously. Very seriously. Yeah. And, and, and it's funny because even as technologically advanced as they are, and as mu as grounded as they are in their modernism and technology, it's it's so different from the West because spiritualism is like dying in the West. I mean, but in Japan, it's still very much a part of the culture. You know, it's very strong. Um, I was recently reading <clears throat> about the Kali Yuga. Now, this has nothing to do with with the the, the uh, Buddhism or Japanese, whatever. It's a Hindu belief, but. They believe that in the Kali Yuga, which is what we're in now, which is this long period of time, it's like 400,000, 432,000 years, something like that, that uh, spiritualism within the first 10,000 years of the Kali Yuga, it's still there. But after that, it just dies off and man becomes nothing but just materialistic, 100%. There's no spirit. There's just, you know, this base instinct and becomes more and more debased and there is no spirituality. And it's really sad because, you know, you can kind of see it happening before our eyes. Yeah. I, th I think that in, in the East, with the exception of China, of course, but I mean, you're going to see it probably be one of the last bastions Bastion, of spirituality yeah. because, like I said, with the exception of communism, communist countries that completely kill the spirit. Um, and, and it would make sense that communism would be, you know, a part of the destruction, you know, because it completely throws out the spirit of anything. You don't have any spirituality at all. Yeah, I, I think like that's one of their tenets or something like that was like to kill all animals that didn't have any use. Yeah. Uh, which is yeah. a ridiculous thing to me. Mm -hmm. Or like any use to mankind. Any use to mankind, yeah. Which is and, ridiculous. And they've even made it illegal to reincarnate. Yeah, I, I, I read that. <laughs> I showed my mom so, that. We're talking about was, China, folks. We're not talking about Japan. Yeah, but. But yeah, I showed my mom that. She was just very disappointed. And she, just, she shook her head and she didn't talk. Didn't say anything about it. Well, yeah, and there's a lot of um, th there's there's no love lost between those two countries either, Vietnam no. and China. So yeah. So anyways, moving on here. This this story right here I got from someone who actually lived in Hawaii, but their parents are of Japanese descent. So I wanted to give you this one here. This one was pretty crazy. I thought about doing one just for Hawaii because I had these weird stories. Like I got, I got one about the night marchers, which is crazy, but I'm waiting to see if I get any more. I'm going to put something out there and just like I did with the uh, Chupacabra and see who throws me some stuff because if anybody has any night marcher stories, I'm looking for those, you know? So anyways, the, this one happened in, and it was Japanese uh, parents, of course. And, and, and this was a, a kid, his dad served in World War II. It's weird, okay? It's a weird story. His dad built a koi pond in their backyard on the big island of Hawaii. And him and his sister 
would go back there and play, and the dad was very adamant about them not playing in the in near the koi pond to the point where he put a little fence around it and locked it, put a, put a lock on it. But the fence wasn't high enough, and the kids would just jump the fence, and they would go and get in the koi pond or whatever. And the koi pond was actually built – I'm sorry, it was actually built by their grandparents, I believe, and the, the dad just maintained it, and he put up a fence around it. So the story that, that I was told was that as children, they would go and they would play, and play uh, in the backyard or whatever. Sometimes they would hear something splashing and making giggling noises by the, by the pond, and they would go and they would look. They would catch a glimpse of something black like going into the water. And that went on, you know, for a couple of weeks or, or a, couple, a, couple of, a couple of months, whatever. You know, they kept hearing this noise. And it, and it just started – when their dad had re uh, did the, the the koi pond, like he re, you know, did some renovations, I guess, and had set it up, let's put it that way. And the kids were, you know, like the water was, he restocked it and redid it. It wasn't him that originally built it, but he re uh, refurbished it. Refurbished it. And so the kids would go, and they would they would they would they would hear this noise and playing and whatever. And so there was uh, an incident one time where this. The, the male child, don't have a name for him. I'm not going to say his name, but he actually jumped the fence and decided to go and this, the koi pond looked very inviting. And so he goes and he starts dangling his feet into the koi pond and he liked the way the fish would come up and touch his feet, you know, whatever. And, and it was relaxing. And he, then he looks across the koi pond and he sees this black, just looking weird looking creature. He didn't, couldn't, couldn't give couldn't make out what it was at that time. And he said it began to kind of swim toward him. And it looked almost like if a turtle had like, like a human appendages and was swimming toward him. And so he got scared. So he jumped out and he, he jumped the fence and he ran, you know, back into the house and he decided he wasn't going to go play out there anymore. And then one day he heard something literally going like, psst, psst, like, like that, like trying to get his attention. So he goes up to the fence and he looks through the fence and he sees this creature and it was making noise, but he didn't like at that moment he realized like it wasn't even like looking at him. It wasn't, it had nothing to do with him. It was like it was trying to get something's attention, but he couldn't tell what it was. And so he was like, what is that? Now he said it almost looked like a goblin built like a turtle. Okay. That's the way he described it. it. Was a goblin turtle creature that was covered in black slime or moss. I mean, it's a pretty good description. I think uh, they have a beak. <laughs> yeah, he, he, he said it had a, had a weird looking nose. Yeah, they have like yeah. a weird beak. Mm -hmm. And then um, I and, think but they have a shell in the back. And a, yeah, he said it was like a, a like a almost like a round like hump, but he it looked kind of like a shell, but you couldn't make out like it wasn't clearly defined. Like you're going to see a turtle and you oh look the little squares. Yeah. And so he said that, you know, and, I, and I, I, he gave me a pretty good description. And he said that when he, when it turned and saw him, it, it, he, it saw, he had like little claws, little, you know, and he said at first it was like a doll. Like he thought, not a doll. He said a, a stuffed animal that had been rolled around in motor oil. That's what he said it looked like. And he thought, what is oh, this? So it was like super slimy. Yeah. Just greasy. And it was very slimy. Gross. And he, and it jumped into the water. And he said that he knew it was, and it wasn't really huge. It wasn't real big. You know, he said it was like the size of a small man. And he said that, but this koi pond was huge. And so he couldn't resist. To, he jumped over the fence and he went to go look to see what it was. And he said he, he stood back a ways, you know. 
but he said he couldn't see for some reason he you know he couldn't see the whole koi pond and the area right there and directly in front of him he knew that if there was something in there it had to be right there and he said that he just couldn't help himself so he took a couple steps and he didn't get super close to it about a foot and a half away two feet whatever and he said that uh, he looked over the side and this thing leapt up out of the water and grabbed him by his arms and he said he wasn't but like seven years old so he's a skinny little boy you know and it just started yanking him into the water and he said that he fell forward into the water but his feet caught on the like uh the rocks that were positioned on the outside like his foot got caught one of his feet in particular got caught on the rocks almost like he just got lucky and this thing was pulling on him and he said that he opened his eyes and he looked right at it and it had red eyes like reptilian looking red eyes and he said that the claw had little claws and they were dug into his head and that he was struggling to get out and get away from it and he said that he he went instinctively he just went and he stuck his thumbs into the eyes where the eyes were. And he said that it burned his thumbs. It was like hot. It was weird. And he said this weird, like smoky looking stuff squirted out the tops of his eyelids or, you know, his eyeballs, like the top of it. And you could see it like it was like, but it wasn't like blood. Uh, and he said that it was like just immediately he let go. And then there was like this, this circular, uh, uh, thing in the middle. I forgot what he called it. Um, like in the middle of the pond and he pushed himself up and he said that it was almost weird. He felt like an energy or something like kind of grab his back and like lift him, kind of lift him up out of that water. And he, at that moment, he felt like, you know, later on when he thought about it, he said he felt like it was his grandfather. And he said that when that happened, this thing just looked up at him and watched him going up and it didn't jump back out and try to grab him or anything. And so from that moment for the rest of his life, he never messed with that koi pond. He never went around it. He didn't go and, you know, take a look at it. He would hear splashing sometimes. And so he said for years and years, he never, he never told his parents about it because it was one of those things where, you know, you go and you tell your parents and then they're like, what's wrong with you? You're, you know, you're crazy, whatever. And so he said that he just like for, for years and years, he never uh, talked mentioned about it, it, never yeah. mentioned it. He didn't say anything. Um, just said that he was almost drowned uh, in a koi pond and you know that was it and and then and then you know like one day uh him and his sister were talking and he told her what what had happened to him and she was like oh my gosh she's like nearly the same thing happened to me she's like i was sitting on the edge of the koi pond cuz neither one of them would go over there but neither one of them had ever really talked about what had happened he said that she at when he when he first started to ask her if anything weird had ever happened she would say no 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 but he said that that she was dangling her she, she told him finally one day when they were adults she was dangling her feet over the side and she felt something rub against her feet and she looked down and there was this like kind of slimy looking goo on her foot. And she was like, what is that? And then right then this thing popped up and tried to pull her feet first into the water. And whenever she started kicking at it, it cut the bottom of her foot and she looked and it had really big teeth. Now, when I asked him about it, about the teeth, he said, yeah, I, I, I remember fangs, like, you know, on both sides of his teeth, and it looked um, demonic, you know. But but she she said that it, it had teeth. It was like a, a beak-looking nose, you know, like if you took a human's nose and turned it into a beak, you know. It was almost like it was fleshy, but it was like an actual beak. And then she said that, that the uh, teeth, there were big teeth on either side of it, and she said that you could see kind of a grayish skin tone underneath the black slime so that was crazy and she got loose she fell backwards she kicked at it and fell backwards and she she ran and got out of there 
And so when their dad died, <clears throat> they <laughs> they actually uh, got uh, inherited like a necklace from the dad. And apparently it was something, he was a sailor, he was on a ship during World War II, and apparently, you know, that there was this, uh, you know, I mean, and it was just this whole, I don't know how to describe like, like he said that, you know, his dad, his, his, his dad, his mom and dad had him when they were older. They had two older siblings that his dad had from a previous marriage. Okay. And so then his, then when his dad was older, then, then he had them, you know? So and his dad, he said his dad was like 42, something like that when, when they, when he was born. So his, you know, his dad died and he was still not real, they're very old. He was like, you know, whatever. And so he said that, you know, he, when he was at the funeral, one of his older brothers came to him and handed him this necklace. Was like, and it had like a little amulet, and there were three uh, holes in, in each one. One of them had like a little like a yin yang type thing, and another one had like a little whatever. It was like some sort of like a, a Buddhist symbolisms, you know. And so he he was like, "Where's the third piece at?" He goes, "I don't know. I, you know, th there's no other third piece, but this is something that you know he had given me when I was young." when he came back from the war. And so the older brother who had always been kind of a fatherly figure to him, gave it to him. And so a uh, couple years after that, the, mo the mother was going to sell the house and they drained the koi pond and he saw something shiny uh, underneath that big cement thing in the middle of the koi pond. And he goes to pick it up and he turns it over. And there is literally the picture of that, creature like its face but like drawn on this like metal on this piece of silver and uh it was in the koi pond and it was dad was always real adamant about never going into that koi pond when he talked to his mother about it and he showed her the, this 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 metal coin for lack of a better term he's like what is this and she was like you know your dad claimed that that there was this uh creature that was a familiar with the family and that there was this, uh, what they say in Japanese, like a witch is called a, a, a Majo or a Majo, whatever, a Majo that they, the, they had, she had gone to his mother. Uh, this guy's dad had gone before he went to the war. He went to his mom and she took him to a Majo and or Majo, however you want to say it. And then that, that Majo, uh, witch gave him that amulet and said that it would be there to protect him. Now, his ship did go, it did get hit uh, when they were fighting in, in the Pacific. They were fighting against, I think it was the British at that time, and his ship got hit. And when he was in in the water, he was starting to sink. Uh, he was unconscious, whatever. He felt something like claws, some sort of type of claws or something. And he could feel it on his back. And he said that he woke up and he was being pushed to the surface. And as he looked down, he saw this weird looking creature swimming away and he managed to grab onto a piece of debris. And two days later he was rescued. Um, and so, you know, he attributed it to this creature, whatever that was, was given to him by this, this major, whatever. Now here's, here's another thing. There's a creature that, that's called a Sukimono. Well, Sukumono is is also kind of a broad term, but it, it is a what they call possessing thing. It is something that will possess you. Okay. Now, according to what was told to him when he came back from overseas, 
his mother was very adamant about him going back to this 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 witch and and uh, returning the amulet, the the necklace, whatever. And she said, "No, um, you can't do that." Uh, it was it was it was just the single uh, uh, coin or whatever. So he took it to a to the Buddhist temple and he asked them about it because she wouldn't take it back. And they told him that he needed to have these other symbols to to uh, put it around that that symbol or whatever to keep it kind of like encapsulated, I guess. And so there were three different symbols. One was not on the necklace, and they they don't know what it was. And then there was that the the one in the middle that was missing, and they think that that's where that one belonged, the coin, you know, that little coin or whatever. And the other symbols were there to kind of keep it at bay, I guess. And so um, he took that middle coin and he threw it upside down. He laid it upside down in the koi pond where it was supposed to be trapped so that it couldn't go out. And that's what he was told to do. Okay. And so he, it couldn't go out and harm him or try to possess him. And the only way that you would have any sort of uh, uh, problems with it is if you went up to the koi pond without the proper protection, you know, and the, the children obviously didn't. They didn't know anything about it. He just warned them, do never go near the koi pond, stay away from the koi pond, blah, 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 blah. And the only way that it would cause any problems is if you went up to the koi pond at certain times of the day, supposedly, too, is when it was active. And that and that's 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 uh, something that's a common theme in Japanese uh, folklore. Uh, the yuri are said to be most active between two and three in the morning. Uh, that's weird because you know we as you know we we that's when we get a lot of paranormal activity. Yeah. And so the yuri are the type of ghosts that come back, you know, for different reasons. Uh, but this creature, I believe, was was something that stayed in that koi pond as long as he didn't go. And and mess with it, and he had the proper protection when he went to go and put the fish and deal with all that, and it wouldn't hurt the fish, you know, supposedly. Well, yeah, yeah, you know, it's really scary because I was sitting here and I was trying to think, and I was, you know, this is my first time hearing this story, so I was trying to come up with theories, and the first theory I came up with is uh, when you said that the grandpa made the the koi pond, I thought that the the grandpa made was was uh, familiar with it and created the koi pond for it. Because remember when I mentioned earlier that most of them are pretty malicious, but not all of them. Mm-hmm. Same thing. I thought like, okay, he built a koi pond as a home for this thing, and all. Yeah, and because uh, yeah, like you said, they don't harm, you know, fish. They live pretty peacefully. It is so if you just gave it a home, I thought like, okay, maybe it stays there, and it looks over the land, or it looks over the fish, or it looks over that pond. So I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. But then as I kept thinking about it, I was like, well, maybe it's not the father because, or maybe it's not the grandpa, but maybe it's the father because he was so adamant. Mm-hmm. About not going in there. Yeah. And, and and when I first heard the story, I thought, you know, as I was reading through the first time, I was thinking this dad probably, it's probably because the grandfather, you know, had, and the dad knew that there was something there, you know, and I kept thinking that. But then when I read about the, the coin, the, the picture of that thing or whatever, the, to me, the moral of the story is just don't go to a witch. <laughs> yeah. I mean, like, well, the, I mean, the, the, no, I mean, because uh, I've I read a story where uh, they found one of these things, mm-hmm. which was just drowning massive amount of people. So they actually built a, they asked a witch to build the pond to trap it. So you know, because they didn't know how to actually get rid of it from their their river entirely. So what they did was they just gave it a different home. 
And uh, so, I mean, I, I, because I, I, I know that you know, uh, in the Western world, that witches were pretty bad. But I think in the Eastern, like it's a little different. I think like some witches aren't like inherently. Well, that's here too. I mean, there's yeah. witches that aren't, but. I mean, to go to a witch to 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 have a familiar attached to you. I mean, come on, dude. <laughs> you know? Well, yeah. Well, the, the thing about these these creatures, is I don't think they're evil. It's like it's well, no, different. No, I mean, they're they're kind of neutral, but exactly. they, but they do so, kill people. Yeah, I mean, yeah. And, so I mean, and they, and they the are blood as, drinkers too. They're like they're like water vampires. Yeah, yeah. yeah I mean, so I mean, exactly. So I mean, it's it's, it's different than like contracting a demon as a familiar, because then you know that thing is not good. Not like there's no. A good ending that comes from that, but a kappa you might get lucky and just have one that if you know you ask it for a small task, or if you ask it for something and it just wants to like you know something simple, then it might just be as simple as that. Yeah, and, you know they're very just like you know. Uh, I think that's what's really cool about Japan is like even though yokai is like a you know it's supposed to be all encompassing of all their creatures, it doesn't mean that everything in that. Uh, subgenre is evil. Mm-hmm. Nothing in that is like definitely good or definitely bad. Well, that's like the jinn yeah, in the Middle East. Is, they're, they're not. Yeah, they're definitely not, like the jinn. Yeah, the jinn are very the same. The fairies, the fairies of, I believe they're all the same thing. They're yeah. all from the same family. They just live in different regions. Mm-hmm. You know, I think. And all, I think because of the long periods that they like lived in those regions, that it might have just changed how they are. Yeah, and I think that's why they're different from each other, even though they share a lot of similarities. They, sh- they share a similar origin. Uh. Yeah, because you you get the same thing. You get good, bad, and in between everything in between mm-hmm. from the fairies and from the jinn, and from the yokai. You know? yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's you know the ones you stay away from, the ones that you know if you get lucky you can interact with, and the ones that just will leave you alone as long as you don't go cross his bottom line or whatever. Yep. But uh, yeah, I mean, I've always uh, held Japan in a close place in my heart because uh, growing up, I mean, that's. I didn't really have a lot, so a lot of Japan's like cultures and stuff that they had was really interesting to me, and it kept me busy as a kid. Well, you studied that, and you studied Korean, too. And Korean, yeah. and everything. Yeah. And of course, you know a lot about Chinese, because the Vietnamese I'm half Chinese, adopted so. yeah, a lot of the Chinese culture. Yeah, so moving on from that, um, that's what happened with that, and so the, the Koi Pond, I guess, was was where that creature was, and I don't know what happened when they took the coin out, whatever. He said that he, when he found the coin, they t- they took it off and turned it upside down, that because uh, they were moving whatever, and that that he went he he took it back to the to the witch who told him that he had to build another koi pond to entrap that thing. And I asked him if he did, and he said no. And I said, so what happened to the coin? He said he threw it in the ocean. So, I think it just probably released it then. Yeah, it's probably just released into the water. I guess mm-hmm. I don't know. Uh, it said nothing's happened to him since then, so that's that, I don't I don't know what happened to it after that because who knows what happened to it. But so, folks, that's going to do it for tonight uh, here at PRT. We all appreciate you tuning in and listening. Before I go, I want to do a shout out to a young man named Jameson Hunter. Uh, his dad reached out to me. He's from Lewisburg, West Virginia, and uh, they're listeners of the show. Uh, his dad's name is Joel and Jameson. I wanted to, to, to give you a shout out. I, I, I really touched my heart. Your dad said that you're into writing and you're really into Bigfoot and Dogman. And we definitely got some Bigfoot and Dogman stuff on deck coming up pretty soon. Uh, just keep on uh, listening to the show and, and we'll keep sending you interesting topics. 
and maybe we'll give you some uh, inspiration for some things to write about. And I know there's a lot of uh, really good authors in the cryptid world, like Nick Redfern and Ken Gerhard, Lyle Blackburn, David Weatherly. Uh, those are all friends of mine, and, and I, I, maybe you could be the next uh, <laughs> the next big author. And uh, in, any of you people out there, aspiring authors, people that want to write, I'm not a writer myself personally. I, I, you know, I'm still struggling to try to figure out how to write a book. But if you are a writer, one of my nephews is really good at writing. Um, I encourage you to keep doing it and, and just to keep reading. Keep reading books. Check out all these guys' books and, and, and check out how they write. And just keep going after it and pursue that. Because that is an honorable profession and it's a great career. It's something that you could pursue and do something with. And um, I hear that you won a contest at school. Uh, it was called The History of Cryptids. That's amazing. That's awesome. And I'm, I'm glad that you are pursuing that. And I'm glad that you're a listener of our show. And I hope you continue to uh, be a listener. And all of you people out there in the, in the cryptid and spirit world, guys that are into the paranormal, UFOs, Bigfoot, Dogman, uh, aliens, whatever it is you're into, ghosts, we do it all here. We cover it all at PRT. Next week, we're going to finish up part two with the strange Japanese demons. And uh, it's going to be a really good show, so I hope you all tune in. Once again, I want to remind you guys to go back and listen to the part twos, because sometimes the part one just kind of lays the groundwork, and then part two really lays it home, and so really brings it home. And so I would like for you guys to go back and, and check out some of the part twos to some of these shows, because I see that there's a lot more views on the part ones than there are on part twos. And, and maybe the part two, part one didn't have enough meat on the bone or whatever, and so you guys kind of checked out. But part two definitely is going to be good, just like this one. And I, I hope that you guys tune in and you listen. And Jameson, I want you to keep on pursuing that writing. Keep doing it, man. And for everyone at the PRT team, for me and Tony, good night.